Welcome to uh, episode 146 of Tell Me Where to Turn, the first episode where we all live in Claymore Country. <laughs> what a time to be alive, gentlemen. Indeed. Did you walk around the neighborhood and people come up and tell you good win? <laughs> no, I didn't get any of those after uh, Sunday night. And then, of course, you know, like the next day, walking through the neighborhood, I think during lunch or after work or something with the wife and kind of telling her about WrestleMania a little bit about the, the fall and subsequent rise of Drew McIntyre. And she listens the whole time and she's like, I don't really know what even to do with any of that. (laughs) It sounds good, but I don't know what you're talking about. So I was just crushed right there. You get home and you're putting the flag up on the front porch. That's the big McIntyre M on it. (laughs) Did you notice his uh, uh, trunks or whatever you want to call them on Monday? I believe they were the the beast incarnate skull with a sword through the head. Amazing. Oh, I missed that. That's awesome. I mean, Seth Rollins kind of had that idea a year ago, but I mean, go ahead and celebrate. It's fine. It's good. It's it's Vince coming up with the idea. So, But right now, before Tommy came on and and finally joined us, um, I recorded this... uh, I racing thing for the world of outlaws that was on FS one the other night. Oh yeah. I'm, I'm on board with this. I feel like I could watch this every week without question. <laughs> like I was, this was amazing stuff. No. Did you see the NASCAR version on Sunday that Bubba Wallace got so mad that he just quit playing in the middle of the race and then lost his sponsor? Yeah. <laughs> he rage quit. Yeah, he did. It, it said he rage quit, and then the guy, one of the guy that owns one of his sponsors, was watching it and was so embarrassed that called him up and was like, "Yeah, we're good. Don't need your services anymore." Well, he was on this uh, sprint car thing. He was driving for that. They actually had him like in the studio in Charlotte, and they asked him about it, and he didn't seem too concerned. He he was very much like. I think we're going to be okay. He probably he's probably playing the odds that Blue Emu is going to be out of business by the time we pull out of Corona, anyways. <laughs> so that the loss of sponsorship dollars isn't going to amount to much. It's probably just a headache he doesn't need. So, and Tommy, correct me if I'm wrong. I just I just read this report when in the NASCAR one. Is it true that they you know they're all playing the whatever simulation and then. On Tony Stewart's, it was just Grand Theft Auto, and he's just running over people, just <laughs> laughing maniacally. He was playing. He was playing a different game. <laughs> there was another funny side sideline to the Bubba Wallace story. So the CEO of Blue Emu inadvertently did the lunch pail as well, because he fired Bubba Wallace for his rage quit, but then the other guy that he's sponsoring in there is Landon Castle. So if your name is Landon Castle, you probably don't look like Bubba Wallace. I guess that doesn't really work because Bubba Wallace doesn't look like Bubba Wallace, but that's a whole other thing. (laughs) Anyways, he says, he basically says, Landon Castle's practicing eight to ten hours a day for this race, and I don't feel like Bubba's practiced at all. And I was like, well, yeah, he doesn't need to practice. He just rolls out of bed and can run in the top five. Landon's got to work for every inch he owns. It's like, oh, the street profits are still champs. All right, let's (laughs) let's go racing. (laughs) He had previous experience with that because I've seen enough of him, of Bubba Wallace on Twitter, where he's tweeted stuff out like inviting people to join what you know like a group that he's in um that's racing so he does that i mean he may not oh, practice yeah. no, eight I or ten him, hours a day that's pretty significant i had him in DraftKings. i because i was oh, aware yeah. of the fact that he was quite prolific and 
Yeah, he rage quit on me. So that's a new way to lose a lineup. <laughs> okay, so let me ask you how you feel about this, about the fact that they they weren't doing live scoring with that. That you know you put in your your lineup and you go through the race and everything, and they update the scores, and uh, you find out where you finish like one or two hours after the race is over. Yeah, I only had one lineup in, so I was keeping track of my guys. But no, that's obviously not ideal. But in these hard times, we have to do what we do. And and that was only the that was only the second worst thing to ever happen to me on DraftKings. The most was when the Baltimore Orioles game got quit canceled because of the riots, and I had like the whole team stacked. <laughs> so Bubba Wallace getting mad and quit was only the second worst thing to ever happen to me. Oh. That okay. ride, man, that was tough, man. I had Trey Mancini and Chris Davis, and man, I had the whole crew. Aaron, Chris Adam Jones. Jones. I was about to call him Aaron Jones. Adam Jones. Aaron Jones is a racer, actually. That's yeah. Fun fact <laughs> for you there. Well, that's a hey. interesting sidebar. So, Tommy, while you were figuring out how to blur the, your background for 15 minutes. Glenn, Glenn and I were doing our own podcast and we were talking about the uh, Dark Side of the Ring latest episode on Brawl for All. Which I haven't watched yet. Breaking news. You went real quiet all of a sudden. I have not watched it yet. Okay, there you are. Well, we already talked about that so we won't talk about it on the episode, but... Glenn, did you see what the next episode is? Ooh, I did not. I did not see the tease. Well, does the name <gasps> Superfly Jimmy Snooka mean anything oh. to you? <laughs> is this the episode where he doesn't kill Tamina? This is the episode where the clip is like, and he was walking to the ring, and people were screaming, Hey, have you killed anyone else? <laughs> Wow. I assume they're going to save Owen Hart for the last episode of the season. Yeah, or, I mean, I don't know. It seems like a way to bookend it. Well, maybe maybe they could just have it happen at the beginning of an episode and then just kind of go on and just do a totally different episode right after it happens. (laughs) Like a brief intermission and then announce that we're going to go ahead and air the next one anyway. You know, speaking oh, of goodness. speaking of documentaries, I was curious. Hold over from last episode. Is one of the three of us going to be reviewing a documentary? Well, it's not going to be me. It's not going to be me. Are you guys serious? Did I lose this again? <laughs> no, for once, for once you you won the contest. So. Oh. It's going to be winner. both of us. That was the trick. I know. So you guys were fully docked all the way to the end on this one. Yeah. The, the good thing was that I had uh, Braun in the upset over Goldberg, or I would have been, I would have been on the tail end of things. Well, it's a good thing that I've spent the last 30 minutes of the day researching documentaries then. Okay, all that much time. Yeah, I uh, there there was one that I had in mind, but I'm a little concerned because I feel like what makes the documentary review great is, well, two things. One is if we can rile up a group of people like we did with the Flat Earth. And then two, that we have guaranteed a very interesting personalities we're going to meet. So there's one that I've been debating on because it's got great reviews even won some awards at film festivals. It's on a very interesting topic that we haven't talked about on the show, but there's literally no chance of us stirring up the audience that it participates in this particular function. Is it like Amish culture or something? Very close. It's the minimalist culture where people basically sell all their possessions, all their electronics, and completely disengage from society. It looks like a fascinating documentary, but they're not on. They're not on Twitter. They're not going <laughs> to slide into the show DMs. 
So I've got two options, and that's one of them, but I want to let you guys be a little bit in control of your own destiny. So okay. the Minimalist documentary is from 2015. It's available on Netflix. And okay. subject matter-wise, it looks fascinating, and I think there'll be some very interesting characters we can meet, but we won't be able to find them on Twitter like we did with Math Powerland. <laughs> <laughs> Now the other documentary, and maybe I feel like this is something Glenn's probably already watched. He probably already he's probably in this documentary actually. Is called Welcome to Leith. Have you heard of this, Glenn? I I have not. So I'm assuming that's a no from you too, Dave. No. Welcome to Leith. Is that what you yes, said? Yes, L E I T H. Okay. Now, hey, real quick, is are we getting like a ton of background noise from someone? It's not me. I I think it's it's Dad Glenn. Yeah, we're oh. we're making sandwiches right now. Okay, I'm glad you're engaged. Well, I am, but <laughs> why are your okay. kids eating sandwiches at nine o'clock at night? Because that's the way they roll in quarantine. That's a, that's a great question. <laughs> I told my son he could watch two episodes of the Big Show show on Netflix, and then he had to put himself to bed. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's like fifteen. <laughs> By the way. Um, Thoughts and prayers. Don't watch the Big Show show. Oh no, I'm not watching that. It's, Looks like um, some Disney XD crap. It is um, not good, buddy. Not good. <laughs> they did have cameo appearances on the episode he watched last tonight of Mick Foley and Rikishi, uh, who were joining the Big Show on a cruise ship. Mm. It's not a reality show, though. It's a completely scripted. Right. It's it is. It's like a Disney afternoon show that just so happens that the dad of the family is the big show and goes by uh, the big show in the show. <laughs> Unless Ricochet is the nanny <laughs> who gives, who gets a lot of longing looks from the mom. I'm not, I don't think I'm interested in this. Let's talk about Leith. Yeah. The welcome to Leith. So here's the premise of welcome to Leith says, up until May 2012, Leith, North Dakota had a population of 16 people. But then the white nationalists came to town. Oh, oh no. <laughs> Purchasing wow. 12 pots of land, Craig Cobb, who's the leader of the nationalists, uh, had engaged in a year-long campaign to overtake the town and instate uh, and, or install Cobb's men into the local government. Well, and what, well, hold on, you may have said this, what year did this take place? 2012. So this sounds very, um... Yeah, because something similar what was, the, what was, was the going on near show? Ruby Ridge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like 20 years earlier. Yeah, no, that's what I was saying. Like, that's where I thought this was going at first, but that was up northwest, I believe. Yeah, yeah that was, I think, Oregon. But, yeah. uh, yeah, this, the trailer for this looks like it could be pretty... Pretty incendiary. Huh. Well, I feel like uh, I'm caught in a weird position here to be <laughs> pro white out of the two options <laughs> to be pro white nationalist. What the the uh, really the only sh uh, downside to watching that one is Glenn and I won't be watching it on planes that we've been known to do with the person next to you is giving you a real sideways look. <laughs> well, <laughs> if that's your decision, then welcome to Leith, available on Amazon. Prime. It's on Amazon, okay. Correct. All right, I, I, I'm in. All right. I'll do I, it. I will watch it as well. Good, and I will probably not watch it in the storied footsteps of Point Break Dave and then just ask annoying questions the whole time you guys are trying to do a serious review. <laughs> That's just the way these things go. But at least we have a game plan for where we're moving in the, uh, in the future of the show. I like it. So any new COVID news in your household? Everybody still healthy? No sudden dry coughs appearing anywhere? We are... We are COVID, COVID free. I do want to ask you guys a question though, and you guys can 
enlighten me if either of you are going through this. How much of your, I mean, obviously, you know, we've talked about, you know, going to the store, going out to eat, all that's been disrupted. Schools disrupted. Several of the extracurricular things my kids do are powering through. Like, for instance, uh, we have a piano teacher for both my kids that comes to our house and teaches them once a week. That's very common, man. Yeah, yeah that's, we're, we're doing pretty well. You think the people getting stimulus checks are going to use part of that to pay their in-home piano teacher? But here's the thing. The older one is, you know, she's been taking lessons for a little bit. The younger one's like three weeks into piano lessons. This lady wants to do FaceTime lessons where my wife calls her on her phone and sets the phone on the side of the piano and she quote unquote teaches them. So, and let me, it's not cheap to have this teacher at this point. I mean, there's no learning. Like this is basically a donation. Like I should be able to write this off. You should just be sending her some chicken bones. (laughs) And, the same thing is going on with the, they're both have separate classes because they're two years apart at a dance studio near our house. And that place is still charging us, claiming they're doing online video lessons. Oh, you're getting hosed. Yeah, we, uh, we took a run at the online dance lesson and that did not go well. And they were informed that there will be no more payments until the crisis has passed in the, from the Tommy household. We're just straight. I don't know when the government stimulus checks are going out, but mine have been going out this whole time. <laughs> You're the one issuing them. We're going to start writing that in the memo of the little, you know, Venmo transfers. <laughs> Something we did this weekend is we, I've never done this before, but we got to go food from a nice restaurant, like a steak restaurant that you would that you would go for a for a high-end date that was a pretty interesting experience and actually all things considered worked out very well the to-go steak i'm guessing it's outback can do it right i'm telling you that's right (laughs) well that's what i was gonna ask i'm guessing was perfect when you're getting the to-go steak from three forks the way it's packaged and delivered is a little different than the uh, Outback special. It really yeah, it wasn't in the just in the styrofoam box where the little tab that closes is already broken by the time you, you get it home. I assume it was like sealed somehow. It actually was in yeah. the styrofoam box. I was surprised, oh, wow. but I don't think this is a, a restaurant that probably prior to two weeks ago has ever done a to-go meal in their existence. And it was in a very high-end bag that, you know, they would typically send you home from a steakhouse with. But, yeah, it was just in the clamshell. Now, they had everything individual. So the, you know, steak was in one, the potatoes were in one, the asparagus was in one. So they didn't mingle everything together. But other than that, no difference in what you'd get over at uh, TGI Fridays. Other than it, I paid a little bit more. It was, they didn't have a three for 20 running. Yeah, turns say, out. other than you weren't having to eat TGA Friday's food. That was <laughs> probably the key difference. But it was a it was a very funny experience because uh you know, you pull up to this place where normally they're going to try to, you know, hit you with the unnecessary valet park and instead there's a gentleman standing out there in his white apron with a mask and gloves on. <laughs> So this is not part of the minimalist documentary, right? <laughs> this is not. They did give us a free what, uh, a free piece of cake with the meal that was not ordered, so that was appreciated. Nice. What is the deal with the unnecessary valet at those places? Like, I can I can recall one of them. Um, me, like I forgot which one it was around here. It was the first time I went to it. Um, like I couldn't even blow through it. I couldn't be like, nah, I'm good. I'll just oh yeah, park they have myself. a cone in front of every spot. 
Yeah, like there's no yeah. there's no option. No, and like, I'm okay. the first to pay for a valet, especially if it's downtown or if it's in some area that's known for having a treacherous parking situation. That is a a premium I will pay ten out of ten times. But I remember up in Plano, there used to be a, a, a probably still is unless the corona has killed them all. But a steakhouse at Preston and Parker Road and or Preston and Park. Oh yeah, was, Steve Fields. Yeah, Steve Fields. That was next to, literally, like next to a macaroni grill. Yeah, <laughs> and they forced you to valet when you went there, and then you just look twenty feet to your right, and there's guys in jorts just parking their dualies over two spots, walking into the macaroni grill. Oh, yeah, that's my whole. Deal. They're forcing you like to valet. Pull into this place in my Silverado, which was several years ago, so at least it was fairly new. But I'm like. Dude, this is not a valet. This is not a valet car. This is you park your own vehicle when you're in this. Just leave me alone and let me park. Right. So if you want to talk about uh, fledgling parking situations. So I read this week that uh, the parking garage where my truck was nearly stolen a few months ago. There was a story in the Dallas News this week that uh, you know, obviously all those businesses are not up and running down there. So nobody's really using those garages. Um, but earlier this, or I guess it was last week, there was a homeless man murdered in that same parking garage. He oh, was, no. he, and along with some other people were taking refuge and sleeping in the elevators in the parking garage. And there was some sort of dispute over somebody stole somebody else's backpack and like this guy grabbed a rock and beat this homeless guy to death. So, why would you sleep <laughs> in the elevator? That seems like the know. dumbest place to sleep. Why wouldn't you just sleep in the parking garage because it doesn't move up and down? Yeah, but if you were in the elevator, you were alone and people couldn't kill you with a rock. <laughs> <laughs> the doors on the elevator open. Think I mean, I think about, you know, every time I toss and turn in my bed or there's a you know, clap of thunder outside and I wake up. Imagine if you were trying to sleep in an elevator and then every time you just get comfortable, the doors would open or go up to a different floor or somebody would get in. That seems like the stupidest place to sleep. So, Tommy, you don't sleep in the elevator at your home? No. Oh, that's a good question. No. The elevator is only for when I'm too tired to uh, take the stairs. Let me tell you, as uh, someone who parked in that garage for a few weeks before they tried to steal my vehicle, uh, those elevators didn't really work very well, so they probably weren't moving around a whole lot. Hold on, I would so... imagine one of the elevators was just open, and just the permanent door open status, and he just went ahead and rolled out the sleeping bag and set the jar to the side and, and curled up in the fetal position. So this parking garage was also a Cambria hotel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's about about at the same level. The elevators no are water. about the are about the same. Had no water and the elevators didn't work. So basically the exact same thing. So was this a non-homeless on homeless murder or was this a murder that was contained within the homeless community? As I recall, I think this was a uh, non-homeless on homeless venture. Interesting. So it could have been you. <laughs> well, yeah. Had I been sleeping in an elevator and stole somebody's backpack, it could have been me. So the owner of the backpack, we'll just call him Glenn for the <laughs> sake of this hypothetical, hunted down the homeless person that had stolen his backpack, found him in the elevator sleeping, and then beat him to death with a rock, retrieved said backpack? Uh, yeah, I think that's the gist of the story. And then there were numerous witnesses, and it took all of like a couple of days, I think, to track him down, and he'll now be going to jail for murder. And now you're out on bond. Okay, I've got it. But I can beat this. Well, you, you clearly can beat something. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. And the other thing that stuck out about it, and this is just stuck out that the victim, uh, the unfortunate victim, 
he had the slightly redundant name of Mohammed Mohammed. It is the most common name in the world, but he had it twice. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that gimmick's gonna get over. <laughs> He's hit. He got hit with rock bottom. <laughs> and then the guy jumped out of the elevator like he just won the twenty four seven title, sprinted away. Our thoughts and prayers are with think, Muhammad Muhammad and his family during this trying time. When he opened his eyes, the elevator doors opened. He saw a guy with a referee shirt standing there. <laughs> He's like, oh, dang it. Uh, all right, so do you guys want to... I believe we did this bit like two times, and this is going to sound like I'm doing it a third time, but this is very much a today in lava cantina news <laughs> could there could there be any news on that front not directly but oh, okay in the in that vein were you guys aware that bowling for soup was still making music new music or they're just playing places new music oh, okay were you guys aware that they just released a new music video I was not. And, and were you aware that the name of the song is Alexa Bliss and <laughs> stars Alexa Bliss in the video? That's so well, cheap. Think... They just probably wanted to meet her and they figured they could name a song after her and she'd show up. And let me tell you, as I came across this because obviously I follow Alexa Bliss on Twitter. Obviously you were doing safe search off <laughs> Alexa Bliss searches this morning. And she tweeted it and it is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Except for Alexa Bliss's part. She's phenomenal in it because everything well, she does is great, but it was it as bad as her her finisher in the first match of Mania this weekend? <laughs> She landed on Asuka's ankles, and apparently that put her out. Hey, the the twisted bliss is a devastating move. It doesn't matter where you land. Yeah. Well, at least we know what music is either going to intro or outro us this week. <laughs> yeah. Because that's I, been decided. Uh, I sure hope it's available on streaming platforms with ease, because it's getting late into the evening, and I don't want to have to hunt this thing down. Just ready for something easy for once. Speaking of wrestling, I read a disturbing story right before we went on to record that Roman Reigns' whereabouts not exactly known by WWE at this point. Huh. But he's gone dark on them. If you will. Yes. And there is some concern that he may be having some type of crisis to the point where he's not going to be wrestling for a while. Wow. Or... Or he was murdered in a parking garage in Dallas. <laughs> we also can't rule that out. <laughs> but he's, he's going to, he wasn't quite murdered. He's going to return as Roman Roman. <laughs> I, one, he's going to have to stay away for a while. I mean, I don't think uh, they think the uh, immunocompromised need to come out anytime back anytime soon. This whole COVID thing might have really hit home in a in a terrifying way for him, and he's he's kind of gone Howard Hughes on the WWE, which is interesting because Vince McMahon doesn't believe people can actually get sick; that it's just weakness. <laughs> oh, indeed, indeed. Well, did you also see that we lost Mike Tyson to Corona? Whoa, 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 wait a second. What do you mean lost? That Michael Tyson passed away today from coronavirus. There was a story. The first inmate in Rikers Island to pass away, Michael Tyson. Man. My takeaway from that was we lost Mike Tyson. <laughs> okay. Breaking news. <laughs> Well, that sucks. That is definitely unfortunate. Yes, our thoughts yeah. and prayers out to Rikers Island. <laughs> oh, goodness. Didn't think we'd be headed there during the course of uh, 
of this episode. But um, yeah, so Roman is MIA, and Rhea Ripley was sent back to Australia because she let her work visa expire. How does somebody in that position allow that to happen? Well, that was the initial report, but apparently I saw on another article claiming that she was still in the U.S. as of right now. Like, she was tweeting the, surprise, I'm here! Oh, okay. (laughs) Type stuff. But perhaps here illegally. She has to go back sometime soon. Okay. I'm sure Trump could step in and keep her around. He'd take a look Uh, at her and be like, she probably doesn't need to go back. Vince can get his ear. And if if she is in desperate need enough, I can send her a picture of like a vacant bedroom that basically says, this is rent free as long as you want. You always carry the belt around here. At least rent free in the traditional form of rent. (laughs) Okay. Now that in this era, that's not, we can't make those jokes anymore. No, I was just thinking she could train you up, teach you, oh. teach you a few holds. Yeah, how to kind of lay it in snug, if you will. What are your, uh, what are you guys' thoughts about the report and the news that Dana White's acquired a private island where he's going to hold UFC events during the pandemic? It's genius, man. <laughs> it is a good idea. I think the one that was coming up. Uh, next weekend or something i think it might be off just because one of the main participants has decided that he's not in for traveling to mma island but i i don't think that means i'm not gonna do any events there i just think the next pay-per-view is postponed so instead of doing like you know traditional fights on the island should they just drop like 20 dudes off and just go full <laughs> most dangerous game maybe like 100 to 150 and one just one wins just full fortnite but they're on a bus for some reason that flies yeah i could, could get behind that oh my goodness so do we need to do we need to touch on anything wrestlemania wise we're certainly not going to go match by match but there were most definitely some highlights that occurred over the course of two days it was too big for one night i don't know if you guys were aware i heard that a couple times I, I think so. So how about this? How about we all pick one match that we want to discuss? Oh, wow. And we can discuss others, too. But and I'm just I know Tommy was a big fan Kari of Kari Sane match, match. And, and just talk about what she did even when she wasn't in the ring. Is that fine? No. No, I was a big fan. I, I was a big fan of the main event on night one of WrestleMania. So if if you're still listening, if you heard us mention wrestling and you haven't immediately punched out, The WWE had to hold WrestleMania over two nights. They did it at the Performance Center in Florida in front of no audience. And let me tell you, there were some great matches, but the lack of a crowd was is is very difficult to overcome. Wrestling is a sport that is so contingent on playing off the reactions of the crowd. And without them there, no matter how good the matches are, you kind of are left wondering, wow, I wonder what this would have been like if there had been a crowd there. So we knew going in that they had done a couple of unique things with matches because they knew many weeks in advance this was going to be the case. And one of those was the main event for Saturday, which was the um, Undertaker and AJ Styles fighting in what was billed as a boneyard match. Which which nobody knew really what that meant. Nobody knows what a boneyard is, but apparently Vince is on a kick right now where you can't say graveyard, pal. It's, It's not a graveyard. It's a boneyard, pal. So for all intents and purposes, this was going to be a buried alive match, but because it was set at a location that's not the ring in the middle of the performance center, it afforded them the ability to shoot it in more of a cinematic style than what you would typically see on a wrestling broadcast. And for that, I was excited going in. After the match, come to find out it was an eight-hour shoot. Can you believe that? Wow. Well, I mean, the the thing as a whole was uh, the quote-unquote match was, you'd say, at least 20, 25 minutes, right? Yeah, I think that's probably about right. It had special effects. It had um, disappearances. 
had explosions, fire, druids, a soundtrack at different points, but I'll tell you when I was all in was the minute Metallica started to play and The Undertaker's riding in on his motorcycle. <laughs> and it was at that moment that I was my shirt was coming off. <laughs> it was going into that, I was prepared like okay, so there's no crowd. I think we did a good job of uh we didn't have to experience much of the no crowd effect cuz we the three of us our fourth member who would have been on the WrestleMania trip along with the fake Paul Bearer were all on a Zoom call for this for this whole thing. So um, we're only hearing each other. I mean, so we're not hearing the lack of crowd. But the the night started off like the first match. I was match or two. I was like, man, I think we're in a little bit of trouble here. This is gonna drag on and be boring. Once we got to the main event night one, I was like, this is either gonna be terrible or it's going to be absolute A plus. And they they hit the bullseye on this thing. And then you hear afterwards that almost all the dialogue during the course of it was completely improvised. Which is amazing in this highly scripted era we're in now that they let that big element, which to me was one of the most compelling parts of the match, was listening to The Undertaker and AJ just very realistic fight dialogue while it was going on. I was I was transfixed the entire time from the camera work to the uh, different surprises during the match, the realism and you know, the Undertaker very early in the match cuts his arm punching through a window of a car. I mean, not and not not a doctored like a really legitimate cut. That they you kept noticing that throughout the course of the shoot had varying amounts of blood. I'm assuming he was being attended to between takes. But he made the choice to not we're not stitching this thing up. No, anything we're going like that. Nice. We're letting it go. And I think I think Skiles was cut in one way or another during the course of it too, if I remember. Oh yeah, correctly. they they were they were taking some legitimate bumps around the boneyard. It wasn't it wasn't stuntman step in and take this shot. And they didn't they did some camera work, but for the most part what you see was what you get with the way the match was when the, with the way the match was taking place. But as this is going on, I'm, you know, all of us on the zoom are starting to react. I'm watching it and I'm going, man, this is really good. And then you start to wonder like, okay, am I, am I in this little bubble here of guys that are, you know, three hours into a marathon wrestling session that just want this to be good. So bad. Well, I start looking at social media during the match and everybody's loving it. I mean, there is, you, you are hard-pressed to find anybody saying anything negative about this. Even people that aren't in the mainstream of wrestling Twitter accounts are going, wow, this is, this is unique, this is crazy. And then you, by the time the night was over, the, uh, the feedback and praise for the match was just overwhelmingly positive. No, I agree. I, I was in the camp of extremely dubious on how this was going to turn out going in and yeah you know two thumbs up for me loved it now my concern is that they're going to try to parlay this and do too many of them now which is a very wwe thing to do i hope that they will resist that urge because i think this is something that as a once a year attraction works, but if something you try to sprinkle into every pay-per-view or every couple of episodes, I think it loses all of its value. Yeah. We don't need, we don't need that. But I I was talking to somebody this week as far as, uh, you know, because of the circumstances, the only reason they had to do this. And I'm sure other than this one, we'll probably at least touch on the fiend versus Cena and the kind of mini movie that they made out of that match as well. But because of the circumstances they had to make these instead of just having a regular match. But I think with the undertaker and the fiend, they both went like way over as a result of these in a way that they wouldn't have been able to just in a regular standard match. So by some dumb luck, it's kind of worked out for them. Yeah. And this, this was the perfect vehicle for the 54, 55 year old undertaker because you can completely hide his deficiencies, you know, due to his mobility and age in a match like this. They they can make him look awesome 
and imposing, and and he does not not look like a fifty five year old man with a beer gut out there trying not to pass out from lack of oxygen. I agree. No, it was great, and uh, I also agree that let's not do this, but maybe once a year at Mania, do one of these. Yeah. So, what stood out to you, Dave? What was <laughs> what was something that stood out to you for the for the show? Well, I think uh, I think that's good because we'll definitely let Glenn close because I'm pretty sure we all know what his match is going to be. <laughs> okay, but guilty. Um, Honestly, like the two I want to touch on quickly, if I had to pick one, I was going to say Charlotte versus Rhea Ripley. Uh, I thought that was, I'm going to go and say the best women's match they've ever, any like in the WWE and probably ever. I thought it was great. I thought it was great. Um, you know, Charlotte getting the win when everyone was sure Rhea Ripley was going to, was going to pull it out. But the one I really wanted to touch on was the Orton Edge uh, last man standing match. The mini mini series length match. Man, that thing. And, you know, well, you guys were sitting next to me when Edge came out at the Rumble. Huge fan of Edge. I was jumping around, going crazy. Love Orton. But that was the match that stood out of all six hours of mania as just it killed it killed the crowd of five that was on the zoom call yeah it was it was 37 minutes long and they just kind of did the same things over and over and over like there was yeah. never really like the big the big pop or the big moment and no, it, it was a lot of didn't the need cla- to be that long it, they could have no. got where they needed to be in a third of the time easily it was a lot of the classic anytime there's a last man standing or falls count anywhere where it's like you know punch the guy once and then drag him by the hair to the next part you know like oh we have to get here right there was a lot of that the you know constant 10 counts just slowed the match down and oh it's a bit of side trivia Second longest match in the history of WrestleMania. Wow. So I'm assuming, and I'm going to show my great knowledge, the Bret Hart Iron Man match being the longest. What was the longest? Bonus question. What WrestleMania? For the Iron Man match? Yeah. Uh, 15. No, 15 was the first Austin Rock. Oh. I'm going to look this up. I think it was 12. Okay. Let me look it up. <laughs> Asking the question, but not knowing the answers. That's point break, Dave. The guy's got balls. Okay, pal. <laughs> Dead gum. Um, I mean, obviously, the first one that comes to mind is our. Man, he's right. WrestleMania 12. Unbelievable. Is that what it was? 12? Unbelievable. Hey, I'll take it back. I'll take it back. He called it. Called his shot. But, yeah, obviously, McIntyre v. Lesnar for the WWE Championship. The only thing about this one was, um, because it's a Lesnar match, you know it's not going to last very long. So, you know, they didn't have a whole lot of time to build much doubt on either side. I mean, things things transpired pretty pretty quickly. Although, we knew... Tommy had his sources going in that uh, Lesnar was not apparently got into it with Vince was not real pleased, I guess with the match. And it starts out, they go at it and about 10 seconds in Lesnar gets claymored. I'm telling you, I thought this is it. They were absolutely squashing him in the main event. And that's why he was all pissed. And then by the time he had F five McIntyre, the third time I was completely on the other side. How am I going to deal with this? We're not going to be in front of a crowd probably till the end of this year, beginning of next year. There, uh, I'm going to have to keep seeing Lesnar and Heyman pro promos every week. And but no, obviously our hero from from across the pond came through. And Indeed. What a, you know, for me, it's been uh, been back watching this 
since the early 2018. And after he McIntyre moved up from NXT, it was pretty much about week one or two that I saw him. And I was like, that is the dude right there. <laughs> Heel, face, whatever. That is my guy. So it's been very cool just watching it for a couple of years. And finally, he's, you know, at the top, at least for the time being. Indeed, man. And you were there for, well, his biggest moment in front of a live crowd anyway. Yeah. And, and honestly, you know, I think it was, he was the heavy favorite to take the title. So had we been at WrestleMania, obviously I would rather that had been the case, but I think the bigger pop was actually at the rumble because it was like 50, 50, whether it was going to be him or Roman when that, when it boiled, boiled down to the, uh, to the end of that, I I don't even know if we want to go into detail on the whole fiend John Cena thing because there's so many levels here, and there was wrestling history involved. Some of it went back five or six years, which I was familiar with. There was some other stuff referenced, and I was like, I don't know. I'm kind of taking your word for it. <laughs> it's very high concept. Yes, very very heady. But all in all, I would say. Given no crowd, given everything they had to overcome, thumbs up for WrestleMania 36. Yeah, they did. They made the best they could out of a very unfortunate situation. They did indeed. One that we still haven't got our ticket refunds from yet. (laughs) Man, I transferred like $600 to each of you guys. Oh, no, I got it. It's not about the money. It's just about the fact that, that... Ticketmaster can do that to people, to human beings. Right. Here's on the next on schedule. <laughs> in this day and age that they're doing this. But now I got my money, but that was for our housing, right? That was for the house. Okay. Which I think I told you guys this. I was having I needed Marty Bird to come some <laughs> do some forensic accounting trying to figure out what in the world, because obviously it was the three of us. And our fourth guy that was coming, I bought everything. Everyone, you know, Venmoed me their pieces, but it was all at different times, right? So NXT tickets, house, mania, raw, and then Tommy, which I'd forgot about, wasn't going to raw. So there was that piece missing. And because everyone's got to be a comedian None of the memos on any of the Venmos said anything about like, oh, this is for NXT. You know, it's all bask in his glory. <laughs> well, if it's a catchphrase from an NXT wrestler, you should be able to figure it out. If you're right. smarter than that. I sent you a, a PayPal for like $750 that just said you did this to yourself. <laughs> exactly. That does not make it easy when you're... Uh, Going back, but I got it all figured out now. And okay, when well, when Ticketmaster ever does refund us, you guys will get your piece. You, speaking you, of, you have my trust. Speaking of, anybody get a refund from American Airlines? Because I sure haven't. No, I just I think they just queued up my ticket price for future for for future endeavors. They future a way to tell. Me. Oh, well, that it'd is... be under the confirmation, I think. Whatever your confirmation number was for the trip. You can like go and it has like a credit somewhere? Uh, I just thought yeah. I could show up at the airport at any time I wanted and just get on a plane. <laughs> is that not how this works? I think these days if you show up, you can just fly the plane. <laughs> when we... Uh... When we go to Mania next year, we're just gonna like walk in the airport, no tickets, and just be like, yeah. So I bought a ticket to Tampa. <laughs> now I want to go to Los Angeles. Yeah, is that is that cool? Are we good? So you bring that up. Uh, we were talking this week here, and I was kind of tabulating from what you had sent me, and just in my mind, what I remembered all these things cost, and I was adding them together, and I was like, man, I think before. We even get into um, food and other in Tampa for this trip. I was already in for like fifteen hundred bucks or something like that. Yeah. And the wife was just like, and I and we talked about the idea of just using that money to go to Survivor Series in Dallas. Of course, now I'm thinking that might be up in the air that we're even having that event in November. But her first response was, "Why don't you just take that money and just go to Los Angeles next year?" And I thought, 
<laughs> With that gun, pal. Let's do it. Glenn had the Otis when Mandy Rose kissed him reaction. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was, I was doing the caterpillar down the sidewalk. Man, you're gonna, it's going to cost you a little more than 1500 to get get through a WrestleMania weekend in L.A. Believe that. Yeah, that's true. And that's the downside. And I think it's finding wherever to stay is the yeah. is the biggest challenge. I think you'd have to stay, you know, a little bit out of town, obviously. Compton. Maybe stay in the Anaheim area. Well, I mean, the thing is, at least if we all commit, we can get a hotel, unlike in Tampa, when every hotel was sold out and we're having to rent a house. It's true. If we play our cards right there's probably deals to be had if we act swiftly and appropriately when the pandemic gets to its fever pitch. Do you really think that Survivor Series is in jeopardy in November? I think we'll be totally back to business as usual by then. I think there's this, I I think we're going to do everything we can to prevent the second phase or wave of this thing from being out of control. But I I think there's going to be a lot of, uh, conservative measures when it comes to the second half of this year. I just don't know that 10,000 plus people will be gathering anywhere before uh, 2020 ends. Maybe, maybe that should be the first mass gathering. I mean, it's, it's it's named survivor series. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good point. This is not, this is not entirely off base. So we got to see how this builds because mania tickets for next year wouldn't go on sale until what the fall or towards the end of the year. Cause we got ours in November. So, okay. So it'd be about that time anyway. So we can think, see how this plays out. I think we need to do it because it, it being at the end of March works out way better for me considering the Tampa trip was going to mean I was at raw during my daughter's birthday. <laughs> <laughs> It's a sacrifice that she would understand later in life. Yeah. Hey, we were good with it, but if it works out where I don't miss that, even better. That's for discussion later on. Do we have anything else we have to tackle? No, I think we've we've claymored this show at least three times. <laughs> That's inspired me. I'm going to go back and watch that match since it lasted like six and a half minutes. Try to last that long yeah. this time. Hey, yeah. Let's see if I can match it. 